Well, this weekend, all kinds of championship games in college football, bowl designations will come out, and then we'll know where everybody is going. My next guest, I'm not sure she even sleeps anymore because you see her all the time on ESPN SEC Network. Our guest is Laura Rutledge. Hello, Laura. Good to have you. Hi. You know, I learned how to function on very little sleep working at WRUS with you. So <laughs> that is I true. have you to thank for uh, to being able to function. You know, that early morning shift, what, 3.45 a.m. wake-up call, that's what prepared me for this. Yeah, I guess it did. Come to think of it, you're right. And you did, and she did great at it, too, folks. Um, there, there's a lot of people, Laura, that just don't give Georgia a chance in this, and I get it because Alabama's been so good, but if you were to give me a formula for Georgia to win, what would it be? Yeah, you know, I've actually given Georgia a chance in this. I, I think they have a chance to keep it close, which uh, is, is huge, you know, against Alabama. You keep it close in the fourth quarter, and you never know what could potentially happen, but uh, for me, I do think Georgia has an advantage in special teams, which is really important. I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship one of the best, if not the best, kickers in the country. Alabama doesn't necessarily have that sure of a chance uh, from that standpoint. So I do think that's where Georgia can, you know, get some things going. To me, the biggest thing is try to make Tua Tendavailoa uncomfortable and force him into turning the ball over, or force somebody into turning the ball over. The formula for Georgia will be if they can do that, they have to score touchdowns and not kick field goals. Uh, even though I was just mentioning field goals, that that will be important late in the game if it comes down to that. But to me, it's, it's all about putting as many points on the board as, as much as possible and taking advantage. If Alabama makes a mistake, Georgia has to capitalize on it. I do think they're well-equipped to do that. Let's assume for the moment, Laura, that chalk holds here, okay? Notre Dame gets in, Clemson gets in, Alabama gets in, and let me just throw Oklahoma in there, okay? Those are some of the same teams that always seem to make the playoff. So does that make it where the where the average fan wants to see more teams, where they want to see this thing expand? Where do you think this thing goes in a few years? Yeah, you know, it does raise the question about whether expansion is the right answer, and Right now, I don't think it is. I think what's happening here is that we're a little bit of a prisoner of the moment with the college football playoff system because it just hasn't been around that long. And so we just happen to be in this era of dominance for those teams that you just mentioned. And, you know, look, in, in five, ten years, maybe this thing looks completely different with a whole different mix of teams. I would still say as long as, you know, Nick Saban's coaching, <laughs> Alabama's probably in the mix. But, you know, maybe a Florida jumps in there. Maybe you see... You know, a team like Texas with Tom Herman and what he's doing there, I think we could end up seeing more. And then, you know, maybe at some point, depending on the complexion of each year, UCF ends up mixing themselves in there and, and or maybe another group of five teams. I will say about group of five, I think it's almost impossible for them to be considered in the college football playoffs the way that it currently is. Now, if we do expand and and see more of that, then that's how you get a group of five team in there. But right now, I think it's going to be hard to do that, hard to justify that. Even a two-loss Georgia, you know, if they lose to Alabama, they're still going to be considered better than UCF and, and maybe even better than Oklahoma, if we're being totally honest, or Ohio State. Um, speaking of Florida, uh, I, I, there's not many people here that I that thought Florida would be 
as competitive as they were, you know, winning nine games, a chance to win ten. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious to me Dan Mullen has his program on the right track. What is his uh, look nationally and around the league, Laura? Do, do, do uh, SEC teams understand that with Mullen there? This could be a resurgence for Florida? Totally, and I think a lot of SEC teams as well as coaches in the state of Florida don't like it. <laughs> They're like, wait a second, you know, Florida had been considered down a little bit even though they had won the SEC East and competed in the SEC Championship under Jim McElwain, but we all know the reality of it and why a, a change was necessary at Florida for them to truly be at the championship level where they want to be every year. But it's interesting because I do think that there's this overall perception that maybe even outside of Florida fans, that Florida's even better than Florida fans think they are. Uh, Dan Mullen is one of the more exciting coaches in all of college football, and I think what he's done specifically with the offense and you know, still dealing with some limitations, but able to make it work in a lot of scenarios where people didn't expect that. A couple big wins this year, at looking competitive, you know, against some teams that maybe people didn't expect him to. I think he's he's really solidified himself as not only the absolute right hire for Florida, but also a guy that you know really has great potential. The big question to me is going to be. What do they do on the recruiting trail? We've got the early signing day coming up. You know, how do they look there? Right now it seems as though FSU even a little ahead of them in the recruiting rankings. So those are the battles that, that Dan Mullen needs to get in there and win as much as possible. But um, I do think it's trending in the absolute right direction, and, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, two last questions. Uh, Texas A&M and LSU aside with, you know, 83 overtimes, Jimbo Fisher <laughs> was paid a ton of money not – to win seven, eight games, but to do what Nick Saban is doing. Do you think a and is on the right track? They are, and, and a lot of it has to do with what I just mentioned, which is recruiting. And, and Jimbo's doing quite well in that area so far. It's just having that, that wealth of talent in the state of Texas. And, you know, we know about that in the state of Florida as well. The state of Texas is just full of, of college football talent and the future stars in college football and the NFL. So, I do think he's recruited well. Uh, you know, the thing is that for Jimbo, and this is, this is what's going to be hard. You mentioned Nick Saban. And it's like, as long as they're in the SEC West, how are they really going to continually compete against Alabama? Now, the one thing that Jimbo can hang his hat on, it, it wasn't a win, but Texas A&M played Alabama almost better than anybody else has this entire season. So I do think that, that that's something that they'll look at and use it as, you know, encouragement uh, going forward for A&M. But you mentioned that money. A&M fans think that they need to be competitive. They, they, it's not just an SEC championship. They want to be competitive for the college football playoff uh, ASAP, and, and that's hard to do. So I don't know that he will live up to expectations as quickly as, poss- as, as they want him to, but I do think that he's in a good position to make them much better, and, and I think he already has in a lot of ways. Uh, last question for you. This is more of a global one, Laura. I want to talk about Clemson and the Big 12. Uh, Clemson gave up a lot of points and a lot of yards uh, their last game. So is there concern there for Clemson? And then why in the world? Maybe Iowa State plays pretty good defense, but what is it about the Big 12 that they can't stop anybody? <laughs> so first of all, when we talk about Clemson, I think – you know, one of the big things about them is that they've just sort of quietly been really solid this year. And there have been some times where they didn't look as good, right? You know, they made the quarterback change to Trevor Lawrence, and then Kelly Bryant, you know, announces he's transferring them. They end up having to go to their 
back, the third string quarterback in a game and almost lost. But, you know, they pulled it out uh, against Syracuse. And they, they've been a team that, you know, I think we're not actually giving them enough credit for, for going undefeated so far this season. That's hard to do. Yes. We, we, everyone focuses on Alabama. Everyone focuses on Notre Dame. Clemson's done it as well. And, and some of it, I think, the, the issue with Clemson nationally is just that you look at the rest of the ACC and it just, it isn't as good as, you know, maybe what, what we thought it would be or maybe what some people hoped it would be. But even that said, you know, Clemson's a, a team that I think will be a force to be reckoned with in the college football playoff. I, I would watch out for Pitt. I mean, Pitt's one of those – I'm not saying they're going to beat Clemson, but it's like they're one of those weird teams that for whatever reason, Pat Narduzzi gets them ready to go for these big games and, and has, dials up all this stuff. And you know, he plays that Tampa 2 defense. It's hard to deal with if you don't have matchup advantage, and, and I don't think they do necessarily. But you never know. I, I, I wouldn't be that surprised if – you know, Clemson totally annihilate them. I also wouldn't be that surprised if the game's a little bit closer. It's, it's, Pitt's just one of those weird teams. Uh, and then, you know, as far as the Big 12 defense, Steve, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've covered <laughs> a lot of Big 12 games, and, and I've done a lot of those games on Thursday nights, and it seems like, you know, every time that we do one of those Thursday night games, and that's on a short week and all that, it seems like there's better defense that's played. It's almost like the offenses don't have a chance to get – totally in sync like they usually are. And so I've actually seen a little better in the Big 12 in person, but certainly watching on TV and seeing you know, some of these games on Saturdays, it's just ridiculous how, how bad it can look at times. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're just not able at those schools to recruit really solid defensive talent. And it starts with the line of scrimmage. So they're not able to recruit these huge D linemen like we see in the South and maybe even in some of these SEC schools and some of these Big Ten schools. They just don't want to go there because they know that, you know, at the end of the day, they may look like foolish because the the offenses are so good. And, and that's really more what the whole thing skewed toward. And, and, and I do think there is, you mentioned Iowa State. I think Texas at times has played some good defense this year. I, uh, you know, they, they did a little bit in that game against Oklahoma when they beat them earlier in the year. So it, it's possible, but it is. It's just weird. And, and that's the big argument about Oklahoma. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier on in, in our chat here, just about how I actually think, you know, look, if, if Oklahoma wins the game against Texas, they're the Big 12 champion, but they give up 600 yards or something like that. Yeah. You know, are you really going to say that that is the fourth best team, even though they are a conference champ and they've got one loss? as opposed to a two 